We made it through Genesis 3 on Sunday and Wednesday night, okay? And it only took us five weeks. <laughs> That's expository preaching at its finest, okay? Now, that would sound great except for the fact that we're on week 11 in John 1. <laughs> Amen? Now, my goal is to finish John 1 today, okay? We're the call of the disciples. We're right there at the call of the disciples in John 1, uh, starting at verse 35, okay? We're starting at verse 35, and last week we spent a whole lot of time talking about the uh, phrase that John used to describe Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, amen? Uh, we're going to move on past that because we literally talked for almost an hour on verse 35 and 36. So we're going to read from there again to the end of the chapter, and then we're going to start discussing this. Amen? John 1, verse 35. Again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples are looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speaking, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and, they, uh, and saw them following him and said to them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was dwelt and abode with him that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard him, uh, heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. His fir he first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he has brought him, and, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon. The son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is interpreted a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, and of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can, any, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith unto him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, How knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip uh, called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, and art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I have said to thee, I saw thee under a fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and angels and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Let us pray. 
Father God, we ask that you would open your word to us this morning. Lord, we pray that your word would be true and every man be a liar, God. We ask that you would give us wisdom. We pray, Lord, that you would give us understanding. Let us have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that would receive what your word says to us this morning. Let the spirit bear witness with our spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, before we get to exegeting these passages, when you're reading the book of John, especially here where a lot of Bibles will put a title here where it says the call of the disciples. And that in John is kind of misleading because John or Jesus in this chapter, other than possibly Philip, does not call any of these men. Doesn't say, hey, you come follow me. Hey, Peter, come follow me. He doesn't say that to them outside of Philip. So the discrepancy we have in this call of the disciples and the other four or three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which all agree almost on these things, we understand that they have a different order and that their Jesus is actually calling them out of their boats. Remember, he says to, to Peter and Andrew, come and follow me. And they left their boats and left their nets. And then uh, John and James, the sons of Zebedee, do the same thing. Amen. And there's a lot of debate over, you know, well, why is this so different? And, uh, and, and all see, the Bible doesn't agree. And that's what. Uh, uh, people who don't agree with scripture always try to point out, well, see, that's different. So, so you know, it's, it's wrong. You know, the Bible's a liar now since it's contradicting itself. But the realities, if we look at it, and I'm going to take you through it really fast, okay? So you need to buckle your seat because I'm going to get through this so we can get to actually talking about the scriptures. Amen? Reach over your neighbor. Grab their seatbelt and buckle it up because I'm fixing it. We're going to go through some, some uh, biblical gymnastics for reading these scriptures. Amen. Now, if you go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, you're going to notice something. Now, I'm not going to go read this. Well, maybe I will. I always say that and then I think better of it. It's probably better just to go read it. Go to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to read, starting at verse 18. Verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Now, I'm going to stop real quick because this doesn't make any sense why he's saying Simon, who's called Peter. And at this point, nobody would know that he was Peter if we're just telling the story, okay? So the understanding is, is that they all knew that this was Peter because they're all writing in hindsight, right? We all got that, right? They're writing after the fact. Amen? This gospel was written well after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Can we all agree? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> While he's walking on the sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, they saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, 
mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, this story that we're seeing in Matthew, this call that we're seeing in Matthew, absolutely does not look like the same thing that's going on here in John. Can we agree on that? Nobody's in boats. Nobody's on the sea. Correct? All right. Now go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Starting at verse 16. And again, we hear the same kind of language. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, saw James and John, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets, and immediately called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Now, can we agree that again, here in Mark, they're in boats, they're on the sea, correct? So this is not what's happening in the first book, of, or in the first chapter of John. It's something else. Amen. We're, we're seeing a pattern here. Now go to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5. And I believe it's verse, starts at verse 1, I believe. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gerasat, and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting, in, uh, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people in the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put, on, put out into the deep and let out your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night long and took nothing but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled for the other partners of the boat uh, of the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But Simon saw it, but when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought up their, their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now again, in Luke, we see boats, nets, fish. Amen? This is the encounter that's all being talked about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Agreed? Now, let's go back to John and we're going to read John one more time where this is supposedly the call of these disciples. Okay? We first see the next day again John standing with his two disciples and he looked and Jesus 
uh, looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. They turned and saw them. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So when he uh, came and saw where they were staying, they stayed with him for that day, for it was about the tenth hour, one or two uh, one of the two who heard John speak was following him was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought to him, he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means a stone. Now, I'm going to stop right there because there's obvious here that we're not talking about the same encounter amen the reality of what i'm seeing in john is a precursor to when jesus then goes by and calls them to follow him off of the lake no jewish man would follow a rabbi they did not know let alone did not know what they taught Notice that Andrew comes and spends the day with him. Well, Andrew and an unnamed disciple that we assume is John. Amen. They spent the whole day with Jesus. And then Andrew goes and gets Peter. Amen. So what I would say is we're not seeing the same incident in John chapter 1. There's no water. There's no boats. There's no fish. Amen. Now, everybody makes a big deal out of this because they want to try to disprove the Bible and they want to try to make a case that the Bible's contradicting itself. But if we're looking at this in context, how many of we keep saying context matters, right? So the context of this story does not have the same elements. There's no water. There's no boat. There's no fish. None of that. Amen. What we see is young men who are interested in hearing this rabbi, but they don't know him yet. Amen? Now, I want to un underscore something. Uh, there's no call in this chapter, save for possibly Philip. There could, very be, uh, there could very possibly be, this is a precursor meeting of these two or these four people. Amen? Uh, according to Matthew 4, 12 through 7, which is just before what we read in the call of the disciples in Matthew. Let's go back and look at this because I want to show you something. If you look from Matthew chapter 4, where we were in the same chapter, but just before he calls the disciples, I want to note something from verse 12. When he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. They're talking about Jesus here, okay? So Jesus has now moved locations from Nazareth to Capernaum, right? That's what it says. <clears throat> and leaving Nazareth, he went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the, uh, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. 
The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. Now verse 17 is very important. From this time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, what we don't have is a timetable between verse 17 and verse 18. We do not know how much time passed from verse 17 to verse 18. And if I was to take you to Mark, go to Mark chapter 1. We're going to go back to Mark. I'm going to show you a few things in Mark chapter 1. Verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, go to Luke chapter 4. Because there's a point that I'm making here and we're going to get to it. Verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and reported report a report about him went out through all the surrounding countryside and he taught in their synagogues and began and began glorifying uh, began being glorified by all now watch this Jesus was in the area long enough for reports about him to go all over the countryside so what I'm telling you is the gap between verse 17 and 18 in Matthew chapter 1 or Matthew chapter 4 that gap had to be considerable we're living in an age of no telephones no you know so word of mouth was how things got spread around so for all these people to even hear about Jesus in the first place had to take time amen Jesus didn't just come out and all of a sudden come out of the wilderness and then boom, finds the disciples. Amen. What we're seeing in John is intimate relationships being formed. Okay. And I can show you as we exegete the passage, that's what's happening. And the model for Christian behavior for me going and sharing my witness and leading someone to the Lord is being uh, patterned. In John chapter 1, when he's talking about the call of the disciples, so-called. What I would say this is, is an actual, the disciples first meeting Christ, the first encounters that they had with him. They didn't immediately follow him when they didn't know him. That was not the custom of following a rabbi. You knew the rabbi. You knew what the rabbi taught before you went and said, yep, I'm going to follow him. This is historical. This is culturally accurate. Amen. So what we're seeing here in John is not a contradiction. We're seeing a different event. Amen. Jesus was in the area long enough for word about him to spread throughout the countryside. Before the callings recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it was not customary to follow a rabbi you did not know or you had not heard teach. At any rate, I want you to notice something. Between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we only have six disciples named. Okay? Only six. 
And then only one more do we find out about their actual being called by Christ, which is Matthew, Levi, the tax collector, right? So seven disciples are only ones that we have biblical evidence of their call, okay? The other five disciples that are part of the 12, we never know where Jesus calls them. We never know when they started following Christ. We don't know until later on, a couple chapters later, when Jesus picks his 12 apostles out of all of the thousands of people following him, he picks those 12 to be his apostles. So when he said, you didn't choose me, I chose you, this is very accurate. Amen? We're not in debate about that. Amen? We're not in suspense. So if anybody tries to give you a case where all see the Bible's contradicting itself, you can tell them you need to go to our church Facebook page and website and watch this sermon so they can learn something. Amen? So we don't have to have, hey, the Bible, the Bible does say stay away from stupid, foolish arguments. And if you don't want to have a foolish, stupid argument, just let me do it for you. Amen? And I'll do it. At any rate, we only have six of these disciples called and we can only we only have Matthew's call after this. Now it's interesting that Matthew's call is always, always, always after the paralytic man gets healed. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where the call of Matthew, Levi, is in Scripture. It's always after the paralytic man is healed. They all wrote it this way. That's giving you a time frame. It's giving you a, 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 a pointer in the midst of Jesus' ministry when, when Levi was called. What was happening around it. You can go look it up yourself. I'll, you can go to uh, Matthew 9, Mark chapter 2, Matt, uh, Luke chapter 5. And that's where the call of Levi is. And you'll notice it in your Bible. It's always after the healing of the paralytic man. And that call must have stuck out to those men, or at least uh, we know Mark was a disciple of Peter, so Peter had to have elaborated this evidence to Mark, amen. We know Luke was an apostle of Paul, so Paul had to elaborate this information to Luke, and Matthew saw it firsthand, amen. So we understand that we only have seven Seven apostles anyway that we actually can see when they were called, okay? So for people to try to make this a deal breaker on the Bible, when the Bible doesn't think, obviously doesn't make it of great importance to tell you about the other five, okay? It doesn't make a case for every one of them and when they were called, amen? Because that, and if you go back and look, that's not the point of the story when they give you the call of these disciples, amen? The point of the story is they left everything they had and followed him. Amen. The point of the story is, oh, here I am. I'm following Christ and leaving everything. That's the point of the story. The point of the story is it isn't even who's called first. Amen. Now we know that several of the disciples had different names, like two names. Amen. We'll notice that in, in uh, Matthew's account, you have Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, Thaddeus, Simon, the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, okay? 
In Mark, you have Simon, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas. They're identical, except for one of them is flipped around. And then Luke, you have Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon, Judas, and Judas. And then there's where another spot where people go, oh, see, the Bible's contradicting itself. Well, Judas is Thaddeus, okay? You don't have to get that mixed up. The, the, the actual name Jude or Judas is probably not his real name, okay? The way that it comes out, and I'll show you with Bartholomew, because when you read John, Bartholomew's never mentioned. But Bartholomew is always connected with Philip, and who does Philip go and talk to in John? Nathaniel. Do you know that the word Bartholomew is an Aramaic term which means son of Salome or Ptolemy? So that's not even his name. It's just telling you who he's the son of. So he was obviously known by another name. And just if we're putting scripture together, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, Bartholomew connected with Philip in every one of the other Gospels. Nathaniel has got to be Bartholomew. Why? And why does John bring up his name as Nathaniel? Because John lived near him and knew him. John didn't call him Bartholomew because John had a personal relationship with this guy. And he's giving you information that the other Gospels does not give you. Just like every other gospel that records Peter cutting the ear off of, and they don't all say Peter did it, okay? Some of them just say a disciple did it, right? But they tell you cut the ear off somebody. Only John gives you the name of that man. Why? Because John knew the temple priests, and John knew that man. That's how he's giving you that information. Amen? So we understand just deducing from scripture, letting scripture interpret scripture, if Philip is connected with Bartholomew in all the three synoptic gospels in the book of John, when he talks, when Philip goes and gets Nathaniel, that this is that guy. Amen? And all throughout uh, church history, that's been the understanding, and the understanding of Thaddeus being Judas or uh, Jude is also understood but those are two that people like to throw out there see one says jude one says thaddeus it's the same person amen finally before we're done with all that okay now we'll get to this the book of acts we see judas taken off the list and matthias put on the list amen and there's other people that say, well, you know, there's Paul, and then some people try to make uh, Barnabas a, an apostle. I don't know if anybody ever called Barnabas an apostle in the scriptures, but they try to make that case. All right. So now that we're done with all the laundry, we can get to the good stuff. Amen? Now, I like all that stuff. And when I was doing this, I'm going to be very honest with you. I was nerding out. I was geeking out on learn uh looking all that up okay you guys are probably falling asleep but i was over there going yes i love this so let's get to the scriptures 
First thing that we see in verse 35 is these two disciples, uh, one of which we find out later is Andrew. They heard John say, behold the Lamb of God again, and they heard him say it, and then they saw Jesus and they followed him. Amen. Now, this is a pattern that we're going to see work through this whole storyline. Okay. I want you to just pay attention. John witnesses to them. Then they, excuse me, then they follow Jesus. Amen. Verse 36, behold the Lamb of God, reference to verse 29, where he says, behold to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we talked in great length about that last week. Amen. About what the Lamb of God is, why he came, the purpose that he came, what he accomplished. Amen. The atonement, justification, redemption. Amen. Verse 37, they followed because of the witness of the Baptist and still others will follow on account of their witness. A pattern for future evangelism is forming later in this section. <coughs> now I want to go back. I want to skip way forward. Just in your mind, you think about this. John chapter 17, Jesus prays for himself. Then Jesus prays for his disciples. Amen. And then he prays for those who will believe on account of their testimony. Amen. And that's the pattern that the church has used from the very beginning. Even when they met the Lord. It was a pattern of Andrew spending one whole day. Andrew and John spending one whole day with Jesus. And then as soon as they get done. Soon, soon as the next day, Andrew goes and finds Simon and says, hey, we found the Messiah. Amen? Now, Rabbi, where are you staying? Everybody wants to put some big theological thing on this, okay? All they were asking is, hey, where are you staying at? Because we want to go stay where you're at because it's getting late. Amen? Isn't that what the passage even says? Go back to John chapter 1. We're going to read that real quick. We're going, to keep, we're going to keep hashing this out. Amen. Uh, there we go. Verse 39. He said to them, come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Amen. It's getting late. They're like, hey, it's, it's late. We're just going to stay here with you. And that was very common in that culture anyway. Amen. When you went to a town, you'd find somebody to visit with. If somebody was hospitable, which, you know, you're, you, were, you were basically frowned upon if you weren't hospitable. Amen. So when somebody came to town, they didn't have a place to stay, you offered. Amen. So he's, he's like, well, come on and see where I'm at. Amen. Jesus knew what they were looking for. First of all, he's God, right? It never was a question asked to Jesus, and he goes, I don't know. Let me think about that for a minute. He didn't do that. Amen? He's God. He knew what they wanted. He knew who they were. It's very evident when he started talking to Peter. It's very evident when he talks to Nathaniel. Now, I'll show you that the one with Peter could be explained. The one with Nathaniel cannot be explained. Amen? Now, let's keep going. 
They spent the whole day getting to know Jesus and no doubt listening to some sort of teaching. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus was just expounding the scriptures to them, but they got a good feel for who this guy was. Amen? Like the same way you guys do when you go, when we, we all do. When, and, and, you know, maybe you're going to come here today and you go, well, I ain't feeling this pastor and you're going to leave. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but the reality is they were checking him out. Amen. Who is this guy? Who's this rabbi? We want to know something about him. John said he's the Lamb of God. Let's go find out. I like, I like uh, people like that. Notice they were Baptists, okay? And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll go see if this guy's really the Messiah. Right? Just like the Bereans did. Paul came and witnessed them Bereans, and they said, okay, that sounds good, but we're going to go get our Bibles now. We're going to look through the scriptures and see if you're right. Amen? Sounds like a Baptist to me. <laughs> Amen? Come on, you guys, aren't, you guys aren't taking this as funny as I am, okay? I think it's hilarious. So they spent the whole day with Jesus. And Andrew, as named, here we find in verse 40, if you look, verse 40, it says, One, to, one of the two who heard John speak and following Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now notice here, John, John is calling Simon Peter even before he gets the name Simon Peter. So we realize this is happening because he's writing in hindsight, amen? He's letting you know which Simon it is. Not Simon the Zealot, but Simon, the one they call Peter, amen? John does the same thing with this guy named Judas or Thaddeus. What does John call him in his gospel? Judas, not Iscariot. Just saying. Now, every time we see Andrew, he's bringing someone to Christ. Every time in the book of John that we see Andrew, you're going to see Andrew again in John 6 and 8. Loaves and fishes, remember? They were there. He brought the little boy with the sack lunch to Christ and then later on there's some Greeks looking for Jesus in John chapter 12 and Andrew's the one that brings them to Christ there's a pattern developing here with Andrew about well look I know who's got the answer I ain't got him but I know who has the answer and his name's Jesus amen and this is a pattern that we see starting to work in witnessing about who Jesus is and then bringing those people to Christ. Amen? This pattern, let's look at it. We're going to read we're going to read the pattern. You're going to see the pattern now, okay? One of the two who heard who heard John speak and followed uh, Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said unto him, "We have found the Messiah, which is which means Christ." He brought him to Jesus. See that? He witnesses to him. He found the Messiah. And then he takes him to Christ. And then Jesus, when he looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means a rock. Right? Now here's what I want to ask you. Because a lot of people say, well, right here, this speaks of Jesus' deity. Because he just calls Simon, the son of John. How does he know that John is... Simon's father. And people go, well, see, right there, it speaks to the deity of Christ. But I would argue 
And I'm not taking away from the deity of Christ because later on when he talks to Nathaniel, it's clear that Jesus is doing something supernatural by seeing Nathaniel when he was not in the vicinity to be able to see Nathaniel. Amen? But Andrew, Simon's brother, had spent the whole day with Jesus already. Amen? And you're not going to tell me that Andrew didn't say, hey, I'm Andrew, son of John. And when he took him to Peter, his brother, Jesus can put two and two together and say, well, that's Andrew, the son of John. I'm sure that's Simon, the son of John. Amen? So there's a natural, there's a natural explanation for this one. I'm not saying that's what's right. I'm just saying that there is a natural understanding that if Jesus had spent all day with Andrew, there's no doubt that Andrew had to have talked about his brother or his father or his family or something the whole day that he's talking to him. Amen? So, it's possible. Not saying that it is. But if we keep reading, we're going to see Jesus talk to Nathaniel in a way that is absolutely unexplainable. Amen? Andrew, after witnessing to his brother about Christ, brings him to Christ. Jesus calls him by his full name, speaking to him, Simon, son of John. Uh, you also will be called Cephas. Now, this is interesting that he's called Cephas here, and then later on in Matthew, later in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 10 or 18, can't remember, where he's named Cephas. When, when he asks the disciples, who men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You shall no longer be called Peter or Simon, but you will be called Peter, because on this rock I will build my church. Amen. So there's a discrepancy here. And people go, well, see, this is discrepancy because John's just remembering it wrong or writing it wrong, or it's made up. Well, all throughout. The whole book of John, we're seeing John talk about Simon Peter, or Peter, and he'll use them interchangeably, okay? He's writing in hindsight. But what I would say is, I can't discount Jesus coming and saying this to Peter. He had not yet called Peter, and Peter had not yet got the revelation of who Jesus was, amen? Peter's just getting his name told him, hey, you're going to be called a rock. And I'm sure Peter was like, yeah, right. I'm just a fisherman, right? He had to have went back fishing because that's what happened. He got called off of a lake. He didn't get called right here. Amen? And Jesus doesn't call him right here. Notice that Jesus stops at, his, at changing his name. Does not say, come and follow me. Does not invite him to. So we're seeing a different incident. Amen? And obviously, Jesus told him at least twice that he was going to change his name to Cephas or Peter the Rock. Amen? Now, another interesting note is that this name change, Peter, from Simon to Cephas, is one of seven different Aramaic terms that John uses or gives you explanation for. And we've already read a few of them. Messiah, which is interpreted the Christ. Amen? That was another one of those seven. John does it throughout this. Amen? 
Now let's get into the meat and potatoes because this is the part I really like, okay? Like it really got me. The pattern that we see in this next part is the same pattern that we saw with Andrew and Peter and with John the Baptist and those two disciples of his. John witnesses to Jesus as the Messiah, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and then they follow Christ. Andrew witnesses to Peter, and then Philip goes and finds Nathaniel. Amen? Let's finish this uh, right here. We're going to start at verse 43, 43. Excuse me. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, this is the only time in this, in the book of John, in the call of the disciples, this is the only time that we get the word, follow me. And it's only to Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Now, this is also interesting. Why are they giving us this information about Andrew? Because this is like literally all we know about Andrew other than him bringing people to Christ. Amen. There's not a whole lot more in the New Testament about Andrew than what we find here. Philip found Nathaniel, or excuse me, there's not much more known about Philip. Philip found Nathaniel and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now watch this. Nathaniel does what most of us do. He doubts. He questions, right? He's like, well, who is this? Does anything really good come from Nazareth? What good can come from Nazareth? Amen? What good could coming to Christ really do me? Right? Because that's what we're, that's, that's what we come into contact with a lot, right? Why should I? Why should I? Right? The, Philip didn't get stuck on that question. Philip said, come and see. Amen? And that ought to be our response. I'm going to ignore all your foolish questions and just say, come and see. Amen? I'm gonna, just come try it out. The Bible done that itself. Didn't the Lord say, taste and see that the Lord is good? Amen? That's what the Bible said. I'm just telling you. Once you try it, like a Lay's potato chip, you ain't never going back. Amen. Can't just have one, right? The goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Amen. Come and see. That ought to be our response. Come and see. Let's come find out. Dare. I dare you. Verse 43. Jesus finds Philip. Verse 44. Where Philip is from. Verse 45. Philip finds Nathaniel and continues the pattern that we saw with Andrew and Simon, with John the Baptist and Andrew. Amen? Nathaniel questions Philip, and Philip's response is, come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and knew him. Now, this verse surely speaks of Christ operating as an omniscient being. Amen? It's no way. Omnipresent, omniscient, whatever you want to know. Either Jesus uh, is, is everywhere all at once, which we don't think that's what's happening here because, you know, they were with him. Or Jesus knew Philip 
or Nathaniel and knew where he was. Amen. Watch what Jesus says when he comes up. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. The King James says there is no guile. Right? What is he saying? He's like, uh, he's like, Nathaniel's response is, how do you know me? Now, first of all, Nathaniel must have been a real good boy, okay? For Jesus to look at you and say, man, look at this Israelite in whom there is no guile. And Nathaniel's like, yep, that's me. But how did you know? <laughs> I don't think it was like that, okay? I'm just poking fun. But Jesus knew Nathaniel immediately. And Nathaniel recognizes that Jesus is seeing him for like who he is. Amen. That's what we all, every one of us find ourselves doing the same thing when we come to Christ. You realize immediately that Christ knows you. He knows you intimately. He knows you're good. He knows you're bad. He knows all the secrets of your heart. Amen. How does he know this? Because he's God. This speaks of Jesus' deity. Absolutely speaks of Jesus' deity. Amen. Now watch this. He says, uh, excuse me, I've lost my place. Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, Jesus has given Nathaniel a response that Nathaniel knows Jesus wasn't anywhere around me to see me. Amen? You can tell that from Nathaniel's response. Nathaniel, when Jesus tells him, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Amen? Now, isn't that what every one of us did when Jesus laid our dirt bare in front of us? Isn't that what we do when Jesus calls us to himself and he says, look at this, you must repent. All of us go, woe is me, just like Peter in the boat, remember? Peter said, I'm a, I, I'm a sinful man, depart from me. Amen? That's what we all do. Jesus, we come in, when we come to actually know Christ, our hearts are laid bare. Everything in us is laid bare because he sees everything. God knows all, sees all. Amen. The Bible says that there is nothing hidden from God's sight. And Jesus is God in the flesh. We established this in the prologue. When Jesus, the word, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Amen. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Not one or the other. Both. Absolutely both. Amen? And right here we're seeing his deity show. Because he knew where Philip was. He knew that he was, or he knew where Nathaniel was. He knew that he was under the fig tree. And Nathaniel knew there's no way that a regular guy that was not around could know that thing and that's what we're all get faced with when we come to Christ that deep thing that's in us that thing that we don't want to let go of that, that sin that's so deeply rooted inside of us that we try to hide and conceal 
That thing's laid bare before Jesus. And then all of a sudden we go, it's got to be God. Amen. Finally, we're going to wrap this up. Jesus answered him, because I say unto you, I saw you under the fig tree and you believe. Greater things than these will you see. He said unto him, truly I say unto you, you will see heaven open and angels, ascend, angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel's reaction to Jesus as the Son of God was not a reaction out of a, in, in Peter's case, the Father revealed it to him. Amen. Jesus here makes the case that Nathaniel only believes this because Jesus told him, I saw you under the fig tree. So there isn't quite a divine revelation in this case. Amen. It isn't like a poof, let me drop this in your spirit. It was just a uh-oh, he, he knew where I was. He's got to be God. Amen. Finally, Jesus said to him, you'll see greater things than this. Let's talk about that for a minute. What kind of greater things is Nathaniel going to see? You realize that he's about to be gathered up with the 12, given the Holy Spirit and told to go have power over demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. Amen. And then later on, 70 of the disciples are going to be breathed on and told the same thing. Go out and witness unto me and don't take a purse with you. Don't Amen. You know what I'm talking about? He's going to see Jesus walk on water. He's going to see Jesus raise the dead. He's going to see Jesus resurrected from the dead. And when he says, you'll see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, what he's telling a Hebrew like Nathaniel, an Israelite like Nathaniel, who no guile was found in him, He's telling him, greater than Jacob, your father, and the ladder that Jacob saw, the Son of Man is greater than that. He's greater than the law. He's greater than the, 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 the testament of those prophets and those great men of old because he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the only way to heaven. Philip, Nathaniel, all of them are there when Jesus said there is only one way to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Philip and Nathaniel are all there when Jesus proclaims, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? You've got to understand, Nathaniel sees all this later on in his life. When he says you'll see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, he's making a testament that he's greater than Jacob. And it's not the first time and it ain't the last time that he's going to make this case in the book of John. Because later on when he's at the uh, Jacob's well with the woman at the well, she asked him a bold question. She said, are you greater than Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself? He said if you knew who was speaking to you, you would ask of him living water. And before that story's over, that woman says, I believe, 
Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Everyone who had an encounter with Christ, a real, genuine walk of faith encounter. Pharisees didn't because they didn't have faith in him. Jesus looked at them in John 10 and said, you're not, you don't hear my words because you're not of my sheepfold. My sheep know my voice and they will follow no other. Amen? You hear the voice of God calling you. Do you see the pattern? The pattern is we go and witness that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Messiah, the way, the truth, and the life, and we lead people to Christ. The pattern for discipleship is set right here. The Baptist done it with Andrew. Andrew done it with Simon. Philip done it with Nathaniel. We need that kind of pattern in this church, in every church. Amen. We need a pattern of knowing how to proclaim the gospel truth, that Jesus is the only way, that Jesus is not just one of many ways, but the only way. That there's no way that I can get to heaven without Christ. Not a good work, not a good heart. When people, I hate that more than anything. Oh, their heart's good. No, it ain't. The Bible says that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Though the whole reason that Christ came was to give us a new heart. Amen? Amen. Ezekiel 36. I will take out of them the heart of stone and put it in the heart of flesh. Why? So that I can be born again. Amen? Amen? You must be born again. And John qualifies that born again with born again experience in John 3, 16, 17, 18, and 19. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. And this is the condemnation that has come unto the world. They who believe are not condemned. But those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Amen? That's our charge, to preach the gospel and lead men to Christ. That's our goal. That's our job. Not just mine. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And to lead by example. Amen? That's my job. Stand with me today and we'll pray. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We made it all the way through that. I didn't get hung up nowhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we... As we read the scriptures, God, that we can be thoroughly convinced, thoroughly established, equipped for every good work. For we know that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And God, as we have been trained this morning, Lord, I pray that if there's any that don't know you, Lord, that they will come to faith in Christ. Lord, that you would send people their way, that they would come forward today. 
Lord, those who are watching on Facebook who cannot come, Lord, I pray that you would have them get, have them call us, have them talk to us, that we might speak to them about coming to Christ. Lord, and I pray for all of us who do know you, God, that you would put a burden in our heart for the lost, that we might bring people to Christ. Lord, let us follow the pattern and the example that you set in this passage, that we might model it in our life, that we might model it for our children and for those around us. And that as we become light and salt in this world, God, you will draw all men unto yourself as we lift up Christ. We ask, Lord, that you would bless the food that we are about to partake of. Pray that you would help us in fellowship, God, that you would strengthen us. And let every brother and sister sharpen one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, God.